0: The Athletic. Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by the Aston Villa slash Birmingham City writer, Greg Evans. Now, Greg, I'm again going into a podcast with you off the back of a Birmingham City article. What is going on? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, look, you know, I'm a Midlands reporter. I'm not just specifically an oh, Aston Villa writer. Oh, well, yeah. I not know the, that. For, ever since I became a journalist, I've, I've written yeah, about Birmingham City and West Ham Athletic. No, I have. I've, I've done a fair bit over the over the years. Trying to find a new niche for yourself? I'm not not very
0: happy about it. I don't want to see like a Birmingham City podcast popping up and then you suddenly <laughs> appearing on that every week. No, no one wants to say that. But I suppose as long as you keep your villa stuff up, I guess we can we can just about forgive you. And don't forget, throughout January, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. You can enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from all the very best writers around and Greg, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than a pound a week. So let's start with that article that you've uh, Have I upset released in the you? last. No, no. Well, you, did, you had a little dig <laughs> at me before we started, and I've carried it over into the podcast, to be honest. But let, let's start with your article that, that's been released in the last 24 hours then. A potential chance for Villa to, to pounce, really, on Birmingham City's current state and, and what they're doing with their academy.
1: Yeah, and look, you know, I know we've had a little giggle just, but and I know this is a Villa podcast, but it, it is sad to see the way that Birmingham City seems to be falling apart at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's a very messy and, and somewhat confusing situation over there as well. You know, the, the club are 110 pounds in debt and um, sources have told me this week that if compensation packages can be agreed for some of the best young players at the club, um, you know, some of whom want to leave as well because of the chaos and confusion there at the moment, then they'll listen to offers. So, you know, it, it's 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 an opportunity for Villa, of course. It's an opportunity for Wolves as well, who are a very aggressive um, uh, academy at the moment as well. You know, they're, they're recruiting aggressively like Villa are. Um, so, yeah, you know, what we might see in the future is Villa picking off some of Birmingham City's best young players uh, and integrating them into 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 their own team. So judging by what we've seen last week from the kids, it looks like the future's quite bright for those in Clareton Blue.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wish this had happened a, a couple of years ago. We might have been able to pick off Jude Bellingham. That would have been nice in in the Villa midfield. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. It's not nice to see and to, to be honest, it isn't. And if you look at such a good place that Villa are in at the moment and compare it to Birmingham, you do actually wonder... Whether the teams will ever, will ever cross paths again and actually play a league fixture. Because there's no way Birmingham are going to go up in the next few years in, in the current state. And Villa are obviously flying now. We're not going to be in a relegation battle. So we're not fighting for our future for the first season in a, in a long time. The, the stark contrast in the two sides is there for everyone to see, isn't it, Greg?
1: Yeah, look, you know, the the, the last sort of decade almost has, has been very is more than disappointing for Birmingham. Um I mean, you know, we're coming up to the ten year anniversary of when they, they won the League Cup. obviously beating yeah. Villa on the way, so you know that there weren't there weren't great memories for Villa that year, but the, no. the certainly there certainly were for Birmingham City. But since that it's all it's all been downhill really when they got relegated, that they've never really threatened to come back up, have they? And um, they've actually been quite fortunate, I think, to to stay in, in the second here, um, because they've been battling against relegation for some time. But yeah, as I mentioned, it's a little bit Confusing because you know the, the academy staff at, at, um, at Birmingham are still trying to push forward with, with the category one status. Um, you know, obviously Villa have got that, but um, you know, if for, for, for Birmingham to push that ahead, it's quite expensive and at a time where they're 110 million pound in debt. Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether that money will become available. and And obviously, what will happen to, to Birmingham uh, this season as well because they're they're down there again, aren't they? Battling to stay yeah. up.
0: I mean they always stay up, they always seem to get themselves out of it in the championship relegation battle on the last day, to be fair to them. But this is a is a potential funny situation because I guess away from the players that are currently there actually picking up young younger talent, I'm talking about Eight, nine, ten, eleven-year-olds now. Families and players are going to look at Birmingham City and think there's absolutely no way I want to be integrated into that absolute chaos. Going to a Villa or a Wolves is a much more appealing option. Whereas, because Birmingham have had a decent record of bringing players through, sorry, in, in recent years, they were probably picking up picking up good players because there was a pathway.
1: Now you just look at it at it and think it's a mess, and that's really going to benefit Villa and Wolves. Yeah, I think so. And you know, West Bromwich Albion have always had the you know the, the strongest academy in the Midlands f- for some time now. But that that's Villa Villa are certainly taking over them. Yeah, you know, they've they've recruited aggressively, hired their their best staff. Um, you know, in the last eighteen months or so. And you know, clearly there's there's a pathway for for Villa players now, as we're seeing with with Jack Grealish and um, Jacob Ramsey and and some of the younger players that. That played in the fa cup game against liverpool now you know we know that not every one of those players is going to feature in the first team and it will it'll probably be you know just a handful of them you know if mm. any that, that, that will ever feature but the, the performance they put up i thought was really impressive and uh, it just shows that the academy's going forward now and it feels like certainly speaking to family members of, of young players um, across the board in the midlands it, that you know they're really excited about the way aston villa are moving forward and um you know they, they recruited a, a couple of foreign players didn't they in, in the last yeah. few months you know b- before the brexit uh new rules and regulations came into force and pretty much everybody you speak to there said that the sales pitch from from mark harrison and and the staff at aston villa was what convinced them to come so it's really exciting times
0: I'm going to be nice to you now. There's many good things about doing a podcast with you and speaking to you about Villa, Greg, but one of the best things at the moment is the fact that you are at the games and you were there on Friday, a really unique perspective to to speak to you after having been at, at such a game. Well, I mean, the whole thing again was carnage leading up to
1: it, but what was it actually like at the ground that game? It was a really strange situation because it was it was such a quick turnaround and um you know the job that i wanted to do is what i I wanted to give our readers and subscribers um and, and the villa fans out there just a full lowdown of what actually happened over the chaotic 24 hours and um, you know, I spent the whole of the whole of Thursday afternoon and evening, um, the entire Friday morning, uh, afternoon, and, and and hours leading up into the fixture, just trying to piece together what had actually happened behind the scenes. And you know, it was a it was a whole crazy situation. Mark Delaney um, having to put together a team very quickly. Villa waiting for uh, test results to come back from the you know the. The, the, the second bubble, so to speak, at, at Bodymore Heath, because the, the youngsters train on a separate pitch, so they're, they're not involved and in, in, in close contacts with the first team. And then just, you know, little things like getting to the ground and, and seeing that the car park was, which I'm so used to seeing, packed with Range Rovers and Porsche, Porsches and Lamborghinis. And there were just some very modest cars, quite similar to mine, um, in, <laughs> in the car park. Uh, and a lot of empty spaces as well. So, you know, it, it was crazy because literally half of the team can't even drive, you know, they're not old enough to pass the test and and, and and even taken the test or whatever. But um and it was funny at the end as well, there was a, a nice minibus that had been put on to to take some of the stragglers home. So <laughs> um, yeah, fair play to them. They were they were very impressive and um they certainly did themselves and the club proud. Yeah, I mean, when I went to school in, in Sutton Coldfield
0: as a kid, I always used to see Sid Cowan's drive past in this little minibus, picking up picking up the players to take them to the training ground. It's ma- mad to think that actually though, the players who were that age that I used to see, and obviously it's different players now, That that's them playing a first team game. I mean, the whole situation was just absolutely crazy. But the thing that people are going to overlook a little bit as well is there was actually like more than just the first team missing, wasn't there? There was a few other future stars who weren't able
1: to play for Villa. Yeah, well, this was the, you know, one of the quite frustrating things as well, because I think when, um, you know, it initially became clear that, that Villa will be playing an under-23 team, there was there was quite a lot of excitement in seeing the likes of Aaron Ramsey, J- Jacob's younger brother, who's gearing up to be an exceptional talent, Carnichuk Wemke, you know, another very good player who, who we've seen a little bit of He as was well. the one so, I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I think... Everybody at Villa speaks so highly of him. You know that they're, they're really excited about how far he can go, and he's literally just turned 16. So, <laughs> sorry, 17. So, um, it's a case of, you know, he's got so long to go in his development. But if if all the noises are are as we as we hear, and 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 he develops in the way that. Um, the people at Villa expect him to, he could be a really, really exciting player at a really young age. So it was a shame that those two and, and a couple of others were missing. Um, but it just shows that they're actually edging closer to the first team now because, um, you know, they're mixing with the first team. And I think it was probably the clearest sort of hint that those, those type of players would have maybe featured in that game had it not been mixed up by the, by the outbreak.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Who did impress you from that starting eleven? There was some really good performances in there. I, I really, really enjoyed the game. Who, who in that lineup impressed you on Friday?
1: Yeah, I liked the goalie, Akas I thought he was very good, um, very measured and calm and made a couple of decent saves. I thought the two centre-halves, Mungo Bridge and Dom Revan, who who I've seen previously for the under-23s, I thought they acquitted themselves well. Um, you know, if ever, if ever they're called upon in the future, now I think that game will stand them in good stead. They'll they'll feel quite confident going into it. Lamar Bogard who, who I've written a fair bit about, I think I think it's pretty clear to see that he's developing very nicely. Um, literally again, only turned seventeen last week, so he's got he's got a bright future ahead of him. But for me, I, I think Cain Kessler was is probably the most exciting. An old coach of his told me last week that he reminds him of Trent Alexander Arnold the way he gets forward you know he's so quick and direct very skillful um i really think villa have got a star on their hands now i think that i think that he got forward quite often and 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 tried to tried to just create something different you know at a time where the villa players were a little bit apprehensive to get forward and and um you know they were almost a little bit safe at times and understandably because they're up against you know champions league winners and league winners yeah it's right. always going to be tough but i just thought kessler Gave it a little bit more and um, was quite adventurous. So looking forward to seeing how he develops. You know, the key is now for Villa to to manage him right and try to get the best out of him in the future. To me, he looks cl- the closest. Obviously, he was on the bench once last season. I think we discussed
0: it on this very podcast, actually, that we've now got, obviously, Matty Cash, who is undisputed king of the right-backs at Villa. You've got Elmo, who, let's face it, probably isn't going to get an extension to his contract in the, in the next six months, so he's going to be off. Joubert doesn't look like he's fancied at all. Is there a chance that in the next year or so, Kessler comes up and he becomes that competition for cash?
1: Yeah, or, or certainly the number three, you know, the third choice right back. Um, yeah. The, the, the key now for Villa is with the new sporting director in Johan uh, Langer and uh, a very structured setup at the moment. Everybody's singing off the same hymn sheet. So the owners like to hear off Langer regularly to hear what's happening in the younger, the age groups going down and. And you know that you know, you look at it now and you look at the fullback situation and you think, well, Neil Taylor and 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 uh, Elmo, as you say, probably won't get extensions. Gilbert will be on his way. So that just leaves the first two first choice um fullbacks. And mm. you think where do you go from there now? Do you look at it and think, well, there's a couple of there's a couple of decent players coming through in the in the youth setup. Do you send them out on loan for a season with one eye on thinking that the 22-23 season is the one for them to really be pushing for the first team, and then maybe you know go and sign somebody just just as a stopgap for next season, or do, or do you look at it and think, let's really take it on a level. Maybe even look to improve cash and, and target and have those as the backups next season, knowing that you've got the youngsters a year, a year further down the line. So Villa want to become self-sustainable. They don't want to be spending you know millions and millions of pounds on players when they know that they could potentially develop them um, in the age groups and bring them through. If you can get two or three players coming through now in the next couple of years, I think it'll be that they'll be pleased with that because I, I think, as we've mentioned on this podcast for so long, you know, now that academy's been dining out on Jack Grealish's name for far too long.
0: Yeah, and before that, pretty much it was Gabby as well. So it's like a decade in between each player coming through at the moment. It, it feels like so they definitely need to get to get someone else into that into that first team soon. I think the special thing about the other night really was that, like you said, alluded to at the st- towards the start of the podcast. Realistically, one or two from that group go on and pl- become first team regulars for Villa that, that that's just the way it is but such a unique and special moment for them all to make their first team debut at exactly the same time
1: at Villa Park and they'll always have that now won't they that group and that, that is a special thing yeah, look, you know, it's it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? You, you look at some of the players that have moved on. You know, the the, the guys around Jack Grealish. You know, they're, they're still so close. Some of them go on holiday with them together, and you know, they'll build rela- uh, friendships and relationships that will last for life. You know, in the future, and that group will all be bonded together by by that by that night and that performance. And hopefully, a couple of them make it.
0: Yeah, quick one on someone who we do think will make it, Louis Barry. Obviously, he got the goal, lovely goal, prayed a little bit on uh, the young Liverpool centre-half and ran through and finished like Michael Owen, to be fair to him. Really, really composed finish. Obviously, now he scored against what was a strong Liverpool side. Fans are going to call for him to be in and around the first team. I've seen a load of stuff on social media saying, well, he's already done more than Davies in the fact he scored at Villa Park. I think that's a little bit unfair on Dave's the different types of players as well, but there is gonna be that clamour now, Greg, to get him on the bench, especially as, as there's nine subs. Where do you sit with that?
1: Yeah, look, I, I get I get the clamour because he's he scored in a big game. Um but, I mean, you know, let's be brutally honest, Liverpool's defence was probably weaker than some of the defenders that Davis has played against and scored. So, and Davis is certainly more equipped for, for the Premier League, even though he's missed um, a couple of chances. So, I, I personally have Davis ahead of him still at this point in time, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if. if, if he gets included on the bench at any time soon. Just from speaking to people in and around the club and and people who know the England setup, it feels like he's not quite at that level to to come off the bench um, and affect and impact a Premier League game at the moment. Hopefully, he's not too far away, but I just think at such a tender age of seventeen, he's probably not quite there yet. But certainly showed signs of what he could become. I mean, it was it was a it was a brilliant run through, a brilliant finish. Um, And and clearly, you know, he's got something about him. So again, it's another one just to, to monitor and see how far he can develop. So I wouldn't expect to see
0: him on the bench at City next week. Then, from what you're no,
1: saying, no, I, I don't think so. I don't expect him to. No, I think that Villa have got attacking options that they would prefer to use ahead of him. Now, senior options. Okay, they're not they're not they're not centre forwards, you know, like him. But um, I still think the likes of Trezeguet when he's fit, Ross Barkler, Keenan Davis as well, who who came off the bench in the last league game, remember, and, and almost scored against Manchester United. I still think all of those get ahead of him.
0: There is an argument for it because Villa have nine subs and quite a lot of the time amongst those nine subs you actually have a set back four on the bench which you you don't really need you don't need two centre backs and two full backs on the bench it would be nice to see some of these youngsters attacking wise coming in and and fill space on the bench but I do get what you're saying I mean it is what it is we'll we'll see what happens but another reason some academy players might be needed at some point again in in the league is Villa and Covid and players are on on the men now we obviously wish them all the best and hope that they're all fighting fit soon horrible disease we're speaking disease horrible illness even was speaking to tiles yesterday he's had it, it sounds absolutely hor- horrendous but when a, a big number of your squad have had it in the after effects is it a worry that this could derail villa's
1: season a little bit now greg we need to find out how serious the symptoms are for individuals and what the lasting effect is. Uh, I'm sure once the players train again, and, and we're expecting them to be back on Sunday at Bodymore Heath, uh, providing the tests that they've already had are not returned negative. I'm sure the, the number crunchers will, will go through and look at the various fitness metrics to see whether they are still up to speed. And, you know, it, it all depends, doesn't it, on how serious the symptoms are and, and how many players might have got it. You know, the, the, the message from Villa last week was that. Um, you know, it was spreading quite quick, as as it was across the country. So, you know, mm. the, the tests that they're, the, the results that they're waiting for might throw up even even more positive cases. So, the the, the weekend game and obviously the midweek one against Everton. Um, uh, Tottenham that was cancelled. They were always going to come too soon. I think we pretty much knew as soon as that the the, uh, the positive cases were recorded last week and the players were put into isolation that you know these Premier League games were, were, were going to come under serious threat. So I think what people have to realise is um, the Premier League and the FA Cup are completely different. You know the Premier League set the precedent, didn't they, when they allowed games for Newcastle, Man City, and Fulham to go ahead. So Villa always expected the same treatment. Um, the difference with the FA Cup game was that the FA were desperate for the for the game to go ahead. So Villa pretty much did them a favour, you know, by playing the the young the young players and, and actually fulfilling the fixture you know ideally they would have liked to rearrange that too but they went ahead with it so the key is to get this group back together get them training again assess them and and see where they are now
0: yeah because we play again on Wednesday Man City at the Etihad will be be the next game now so that then leaves Villa with five games across 12-13 days I think it is that's an incredible amount of games to play especially if you are suffering after effects as well it's going to be a real tough run for Villa isn't it
1: yeah I really hope the Man City game goes ahead I mean you know forget about how good Man City are at the moment you know they, they do look they do look almost unstoppable but we need to see these villa players back out there playing um, and, uh, and and that game was a rearranged game in itself wasn't it so it'd be mm. good to get one of those knocked off the list because I think at the end of this weekend Villa are gonna have four games in hand on some of their rivals and you know that's just not ideal
0: I wouldn't think any team in the history of the Premier League has ever had four games in hand at any stage it's just the, obviously the world is absolutely nuts at the moment as is but that that's nuts four games in hand. That that's massive. That's it's a, it's a lot of games. It's a, it's a good job, really, that we're doing well because if we are in relegation trouble, fighting relegation like last season, that could really help send send the team down, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, this is this is what I've written in 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 the Athletic on Friday. You know, I just just put some of my thoughts down about what might happen um, with the four games in hand. So. The the good thing for Villa is that they've set themselves, you know, real high standards at the moment, and they've got a decent number of points on the board. I, th- I don't really think it matters how much those lower ranked teams um, pick up in in the next couple of weeks. Villa is still not going to be sucked into a relegation battle or, no, no, or, no or any dangers like that. You know that they're safe this season. It's just we we don't want to see this season, you know, falling away now because they set themselves up so nicely. And look, you know, it's, it's not it's not outlandish to think that this. This group of players could finish in the top six, seven or eight teams in the division now. You know, that that's pretty much on, I think, if they continue the form that they've showed in the first 15 games. But there's going to be a period, well, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks, certainly to start with. But there's going to be a period where they'll start feeling heavy legs because playing all these games together. And, and look, we know Villa don't, don't change their squad very often, do they? So no. um, it's going to hit them at some point, but hopefully it's not too damaging. Do you think that will affect the January plans at all now? It's a good question. Yeah, one I don't necessarily have the answer for right now. You know, Villa are willing to let a couple of players go out still um, if they get offers for them. I've said all along that incomings, you know, that they're going to be quite quiet. They're considering one attacking reinforcement, um, but only for the right money there are players on that wanted list you know the, the, the recruitment team are working very hard and, and but but more so for next summer and I think it's just a, another waiting game you know it's, we're waiting to see what happens this week they've got three games in quick succession haven't they so that will leave them still for I think three or four days um, after the Burnley game is it um, yeah it leaves them three or four days we've you know, that, that they could jump into action in the transfer window if they needed to. Um, it's mad, isn't it? You know, with, with all these rearranged games and the, the way the world is, you, you almost forget there's a transfer window yeah. open at the
0: moment, don't we? it's been very quiet, very, very quiet in general.
1: Yeah, across the board, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, you just think, w- when's this going to jump into life? I mean, typically it does in, in the last three or four days, usually, of, of the winter window. But um, I think Villa will, will just react to, to the situation at the time. Still got two weeks, haven't we? Yeah, so you you
0: don't sense that there's a panic over this COVID thing. You won't expect to see Danny Drinkwater rock up in the next couple of
1: weeks. Um, I sincerely hope Danny Drinkwater doesn't turn up No, (laughs) because it just didn't work for him, did he? Good to to know. I mean, look, you know, if you you contrast it back to last season, at this point last season, it was panic. You know, we were were absolutely ripping into the team, weren't we, saying they weren't good enough. Um, I, I never give up fully on them. I did think that they had a chance to survive which they did, but you know at this point I think they just got Rainer in. Drink water was on the way, wasn't he? And then you know Samata would eventually come in as a as probably the eighth choice striker that that Villa had um, targeted. So that's that you know that's the that's the difference this season. That they're not panicking at the moment. They're happy with the squad and and hopefully you know some of the players that are injured will come back fitter now. You know we, we might. We're two weeks closer for Wesley's return, aren't we? Ross Barkley's hamstring hopefully might have healed and Trezeguet could be closing in as well.
0: I mean, it feels like about 10 years ago now, but it was, was a year ago that we got back from from my and interviewing Thomas Hitzelsberger for the athletic. We got back and literally we went straight to the, the man city game the, the the next day. And obviously we got hit for seven. I hope that's not a sign of things to come on Wednesday, just city a city a finding form again, but I've backed us every game to get something this season. I think the city game is actually the first one I'm i I'm a little bit
1: worried about. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in great form, aren't they, at the moment? I've watched every every one of their games um, in recent weeks. And, you know, I think think Phil Foden coming into the team and actually holding down a place now, uh, he's made a big difference, hasn't he? Look, looks yeah. like their they're back four or, you know, three of the back four at least are certainly settled. Um, the new goalie seems to do quite well be doing quite well it, it all seems to be working very very nicely for them and, and they're grinding out results as well some of the some of the one nil and two nil wins haven't been quite as pretty as we we would have seen of a manchester city team in previous years but crucially they're getting the results aren't they and they'll be looking at this filler game as a big one um because they've got liverpool as well haven't they to, to come up with soon looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone And
0: now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds.
1: TV has the most MLB games. Visit DirectTV.com. <laughs> Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: We move on now to a new section. It's either going to be a top five or a top three. And this week it is a top three. So Greg's going to pick a different category each week. And then I have to come up with a top three or a top five. I mean, it could be anything from Villa goals, Villa signings, Maddis Villa moments. And today Greg's come up with top, top chance, haven't you, Greg? That's what you decided to go for.
1: Yeah, well, look, you know, I think we're all missing um, singing along at a stadium, aren't we? Or listening to the songs in the stadium or or being part of a, a full house somewhere. I mean, it just feels absolutely crazy for me still going to these games and there's no fans on site. So I'm trying to bring back a bit of um, positive energy and I'm, I'm hoping you're going to come up with some some of your favourite songs, Dan, from, from the years gone by. I mean,
0: yeah, obviously I've been going
1: for a long time, but it's hard to, to, to think of, of the best
0: ones, really. I mean, obviously I'm missing being I was
1: after funny ones. Have you got any funny ones? Oh, that's, yeah. what, well, that's, that's, that's
0: what I like. I'm a bit worried that I'll have to sing on the podcast, which is a bit of a concern. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, You've definitely got to do what? <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll, see, we'll we'll see how it goes. Obviously, we'll get to try and get the listeners involved as well with some, some tweets, maybe see what they come up with. So the first one that obviously sprung to mind is the LA, LA, LA chant over the last few years. I just think in the games like where we've been playing, we played Liverpool and won seven-two. Even the run towards the end of last season where we just stayed up, I just think about what the atmosphere would have been like and singing that song. And I associate that song with a successful promotion season as well. It was a really good atmosphere around the place when Villa won ten games in a row. So I think that's got to be in there because I just absolutely love that chant. To be fair.
1: You, uh, I don't know about that one, mate. Uh, look, I oh, think it's a, I think you, I think you want, it's one that gets the fans going. But that's what I like You it. didn't even make it. It's not even one of your own. You know, you've ripped it off from someone. Come on, you, that's you, let's have a better one than that, surely, Dan? Oh, well, that's not even one of your own.
0: You're going to continue to be disappointed then. I mean, if you only tell me on the da- <laughs> on the day that I've got to do something as well, it's very very difficult. I had to think fast. The second one, God knows how many years we've gone back here. Villa playing Newcastle. I couldn't tell you what year it was. I just remember which player it was and. Warren Barton was playing right back for Newcastle. He played the whole game. He was there. He was on the pitch and Newcastle made a sub. And the guy on the tannoy said that Warren Barton was coming on for someone. And obviously Warren (laughs) Barton was already on the pitch. So the Villa fans then obviously just started singing Two Warren Barton's," there's only two Warren Barton's, and I just remember
1: that being quite funner. <laughs> I like that. One. Yeah, as, as, well, you, kid. you definitely redeemed yourself from the first
0: one. Yeah, <laughs> nice bit of singing as well. I, I thought it was it was in tune, which is all, always helpful. I just found that funny as as a kid. That's just, a good one. Yeah, just a yeah, funny yeah. a funny moment. People Off thinking the cuff on the as spot. well, isn't it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was good. I'll always remember Warren Barton just just because of that chant really That's it. he doesn't really stand out for anything much else in his career to me but that chant and the third one I've got is you remember when John Carew was a bit of a naughty boy and he, he was not playing in the game
1: or he got he got caught I think going to a lap dancing club <laughs> yeah. on the evening before which, which a game. he always denies I think doesn't he doesn't he say that he was just he was just going there and drinking coke or something You're and like, he was still he... out though wasn't he yeah, yeah yeah so like obviously we had the song at the time of John
0: Carew Carew he's bigger than me or you he's gonna score one or two in the Ajax game, which was the the game after when everyone had obviously found out about it, he, he wasn't playing. He, I don't think he was even on the bench that day because of that incident. So, Phyllis, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but it was something like, John Karoo, he's bigger than me or you. He'll buy you a dance or two, John Karoo, <laughs> I just remember remember that. Yeah, the, that's good as well. I the ones that, that, one. that stand out. It's hard to come up with off, off the cuff, Craig. I mean, you'll have heard your fair share of chants over the years as well. It's not just, shouldn't
1: be just for this. I used things. to like, there was a good one that that um, that I heard, yeah. The Gavin McCann one, which is good. Do you ever remember that one? Oh, is uh, it to the Family? To the Adam's Yeah, family. yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I, I liked that one. That, I thought that was interesting. That was quite funny. That That, that was good. Um, but it, I just I just find when I go around the grounds, I, I like to hear original ones. You know, that's why I pulled you up on the like LA. Because I, I think know, it was Liverpool who started that, wasn't it? Yes. And, well, um, it was a
0: foreign team, actually, that started it. And Liverpool nicked it from a foreign team. I can't remember who it was. So right,
1: right, right. Fair
0: nick, Most chants are, ni- are nicked from somewhere. I know, but so. they've, they've
1: got to start somewhere, though, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? We say that. I, I hate that. I hate that reply. Well, most chants are nicked from somewhere. But they had to start yeah. somewhere, didn't they? No, I know. <laughs> do you know I what I mean? Yeah. We don't strike strike
0: me as the most creative bunch. I don't. I don't think we come up with many chants to be fair. Because there was a time before games when every player would have a song and you'd serenade each player before the game
1: started. They cut yeah. the fans.
0: Nowadays, only three or four have, have a song really.
1: Yeah, I, I miss all that. I miss like you know the warm ups in every and, and and every and every player gets a song. I think Man United used to do that quite well. Yeah. Um, but uh, they come up with but, some yeah. good chance to be fair. Yeah, they're yeah, very nice. creative, aren't they? Very creative a lot. You know, the the at uh, Ollie at the Wheel was quite a good one, wasn't it as well? Yeah, Maybe, they've had some one good that you ones. wouldn't have ever really thought of. But yeah, oh no, well, thanks thanks for those, Dan. Yeah. I I think you mate. did well, 2 out of 3, mate. Yeah. We'll give you yeah. uh, 2 out of 3 for them.
0: Thank you. I'll, I'll take it for a for a first draft and a <laughs> first effort. Go, yeah. <laughs> what what have you got coming up then, Greg, on, on the Athletic in the coming weeks? I know of one thing that you've got that you probably can't talk about, which is very exciting, but what else have you got coming up?
1: yeah so um well i'm hoping to get to some games really you know i feel like i, mean, I haven't no been for a while now. Yeah. Well, yeah sorry yeah i didn't think of it like that but um i think it's been a month since i went to a game other than the the fa cup game a month since i went yeah. to a premier league game so been not be nice to get back in that groove i'm also quite interested to see how why and find out why and how Anwar El Ghazi's um, picked up this season so gonna gonna dig a little bit deeper into that see what my nice. uh, research brings up because you know I think five ga- five goals in six games wasn't it before um, yeah from nowhere yeah so you know it's a good talking point at the moment and I think, um, I, think uh, I think the fans have, have seen a different side to him so hopefully I can produce something on that that'll be interesting but yeah that's it really how about you? I never really ask about what you're doing.
0: <laughs> I'm doing various things, Greg. You know, I've got my fingers in a, in a few pies, but probably nothing worth just, talking just about a f- Just am few. Just I'm a trying. few. I'm trying, Greg. You're
1: everywhere. Everywhere I turn on Twitter, you're there.
0: My (laughs) boss would have a field day if he he delves on Twitter. Well, it's been great to talk to The Athletic's West Midlands football reporter, Greg. (laughs) You'll be back with me next week. We'll be some time after the Man City game, won't we? And we'll, if it goes ahead, hopefully, and we'll try and dissect what happened in that game, where hopefully, as always, Villa can get something. Thanks again, Greg. Thanks to everyone for listening as well. And up the Villa.
1: The Athletic.